All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Warning Track Talk podcast with your host, Dave and Dave. And today we have the final uh, game to recap for you from the Phillies versus Atlanta series down there at Truist Park. And uh, some good stuff happened yesterday, some milestones for some young players. And so let's start off this episode on a great note. Uh, the Phillies won in a 5-4 to four victory over the Atlanta Braves. So very good to hear, uh, finally, as they were able to salvage that final game of the series, uh, especially on national television on ESPN. So um, definitely good. But um, getting into the lineup and who did what yesterday, Alec Bohm and Didi Gregorius had solo shots, and, well, that was Alec Bohm's first career home run. So some applause to Alec Bohm on getting that out of the way and being able to hit the ball a long way. And uh, it was hit into Splash Fountain out there in center field. So, um, yeah, it was really cool. And, um, well, Splash Fountain, I don't think that's the name of it, but I called it Splash Fountain. So it's Splash Fountain. Anyway, uh, moving on to Reese Hoskins. He had a two-run home run yesterday, which... uh, Really helped uh, not only the team, but helped him as well. Hopefully he's coming out of his um, his slumping ways that he's been dealing with since around the All-Star break last year. And Andrew McCutcheon doing just about the same. He seems to be getting uh, the swing of things down. And uh, two for five with an RBI and a run. So yeah, you could say that McCutcheon's coming back a little bit. And uh, that's the question that I have for you today, Dave. Is McCutcheon finally settling into a groove? He, he may be. Um, I, I like the way he's swinging the bat. Um, you know, he's getting some power. The other day he had the three-run home run against the Mets. Um, he's also getting some contact. Uh, and I think McCutcheon is on when he's hitting the ball to all fields. Earlier on in the season, it was a lot of rollovers. It was a lot of just pop-ups to left field. Now you see him trying to take the ball to right, taking the ball to center. And, of course, he is a pull hitter. He will hit the ball to left. But uh, I do think that Andrew McCutcheon is really starting to heat up. And if he can... It's not only good for him, but it's also good for the top of the Phillies lineup uh, to get more production uh, out of him and then uh, followed by Reese Hoskins and, and Bryce Harper. So I do think that Andrew McCutcheon uh, is heating up, and I do think it's it's absolutely huge for this Phillies offense. Right, and uh, you know, like you were bringing up with the top of the lineup, he's definitely a crucial part uh, to that Phillies top of the lineup and just the lineup in general. You know, when McCutcheon's not going, it's hard for the offense to go. And when McCutcheon's on, then the offense is usually on. And uh, being able to score five runs in the victory was crucial uh, since, you know, the Braves were basically in it uh, until the end. But uh, really, uh, McCutcheon's quick bat is what I wanted to focus on because he has a tremendously quick bat and he's able to flip that bat right across the plate and slap a ball hard. And, um, you know, he's able to take it to all fields. And I think that his bat speed uh, gives him that ability to let the ball get deep and drive it the other way. So hopefully McCutcheon can continue to utilize that skill um, to be able to really take advantage of it and help the Phils get a couple more wins uh, as they uh, keep on trudging through the 60-game bonanza. I guess you could call it. But uh, on to the pitching side of things. We have Zach Eflin, who got the win yesterday, going 1-1. One one. Uh, he pitched five and a third innings, six hits allowed, three runs. All three were earned with three walks and six strikeouts. Uh, so Eflin had an okay outing. Uh, he usually gets hit pretty hard by the Braves, but only allowed three runs yesterday. And um, the, the thing that concerns me is the walks. 
Of course, we talk about Eflin and, and his lack of control, Dave. We were talking about that in yesterday's podcast, but the three walks today, I don't know how acceptable you feel that it is, Dave, but if Eflin can really cut down on those walks and learn to command uh, his pitches, he would definitely be better off. I don't know if you'd agree. I think I've said it before, and, and I think you're a little bit different in terms of my stance. I'm just not a whole huge fan of Eflin, um, especially as a number four starter. I know that he's, you know, what the Phillies got to work with. I just think his control is a huge problem. And, you know, we talked about it yesterday. Yes, he has a good sinker. We saw it in action yesterday, uh, especially in the first inning. He had a couple of ground balls with it. But, uh, you know, I said it before, I don't need strikeouts from Zach Eflin. I really don't. You know, I, I, it's nice to see, but I feel like if he pitches more to contact, soft contact, keep the ball low, keep the ball on the ground, I think that Eflin would be a much better pitcher. His pitch count will be way lower because with all the strikeouts and with all the walks, he's throwing so many pitches and can't go really more than five innings. Um, he did go six in against, against the Orioles. And did he go six in this one, Dave? What, in this game? He went five and a third. I'm right, sorry, he went five and a third, yeah. He did get six against the Orioles, though, in one of his other starts. But I just think that, you know, if he keeps the strikeouts and walks to somewhat of a minimum and would rather pitch to soft, weak ground ball contact, keeping the sinker low, I think that one, his pitch count will be down. Two, he would obviously be able to go deeper. And three, I think his ERA would be lower because he's trying to pitch for the strikeout, trying to pitch for, uh, you know, just getting out of the inning. And, and that's great. But that's why he's struggling so much against left-handed hitters because he's trying to put the fastball, the sinker by him. He just doesn't have great control of it, and it's staying out over the middle of the plate and getting smacked. And the Braves have some of the best left-handed hitters in all of baseball with Freddie Freeman, and and um, you know they have other good hitters, especially on that bench that we've seen, Matt Adams being one of them too, uh, that can really hit. So it's something that I think Eflin, you know, has to work on a little bit more is maybe trying to focus more on getting some weaker ground ball contact because he's just throwing too many pitches and, and getting hit around when trying to looks like at least he's trying to pitch for that striking. Right, and, and the thing that confuses me about Eflin is that he has that good stuff, you know, but but it comes to that control. And, and that's the thing that you need to try and figure out is, you know, where where does Eflin belong in this rotation? Because he's got good stuff, but, you know, the control's been such a problem, you know, and the fact that he's getting these strikeouts is good, but in turn you're ending up with more walks. So uh, m- maybe you have Eflin attack hitters a little bit more. Uh, I think that's the key to him, you know, actually – uh, making it through more innings, and um, yeah, I, I just think he if he throws more strikes, he's going to induce more ground balls. Obviously, you want to throw quality strikes, and I feel like Eflin can do just that. He just, uh, I, I think he needs to worry less about getting those strikeouts and really focusing on getting those ground balls and uh, pitching uh, into the strike zone instead of, you know, missing off the corner or anything like that, because let's be honest, uh, Eflin does not need to out finesse anybody. He just needs to go out there and do his job. And I think if he's able to give the Phillies, you know, six innings every start, then I'm fine with that. You know, I mean, Eflin has, you know, struggled with his pitch count just as well as, you know, Velasquez and uh, Pavetta. But uh, since Pavetta's not here, we don't need to worry about that. But um, anyway, yeah, I think if Eflin can at least go six or seven then um, we'll definitely be okay with that. But seven might be pushing it for Eflin, but uh, I definitely see six. But uh, nevertheless, it would definitely help uh, with the starting rotation and uh, the bullpen as well 
with being able to give pitchers some uh, much-needed rest as Eflin would be able to take on a little bit more of a workload. But moving on, we have Heath Hembry, who made his Phillies debut, going one and two-thirds, allowing one hit and striking out two. So definitely a nice bounce-back outing. Uh, for, well, since his last one, he got rocked by the Phillies. So, uh, yeah, it, it's definitely good that he was able to come to the... Uh, I don't know whether you would call this the dark side or the light side, but uh, anyway... Uh, Heath Embry did a great job for the Phillies, and uh, Dave, honestly, he looks really good, and uh, he, he might be one of the key pieces, uh, aside from uh, Brandon Workman, who uh, has, well, nevertheless been struggling a little bit, and I think he definitely deserves some time to just recollect and um, reflect on his outings a little bit. I think Workman needs that time, but Henry looks really good, and he looks like he can add to uh, some of the solid guys in our bullpen. Yeah, I, I just think that, um, you know, Hembry, I thought Hembry did a really good job um, yesterday. I was really impressed with what he did. He was using a very good fastball, 95, 96, uh, and then throwing in his off speed. I believe it's a slider uh, or a changeup, one, uh, one of the two. Uh, but I really thought his fastball was a big part. And, you know, we talked about it, I believe, in episode 51. Uh, we talked about how Hembry's main reason of why he's here in Philadelphia is because of his great fastball, right? He has good velo. He knows how to move it. Um, so Hembry, I thought, did an amazing job. And I said it in the other day's podcast, Blake Parker has been amazing. And I thought that right now, at least, Blake Parker and Heath Hembry seem to be two major, major pieces in that bullpen with Hector Neris really, really struggling. And Brandon Workman seems to also be struggling. Um, but kind of get to the point about Brandon Workman. I don't know, you know, I know that the game, he technically did give up a, a huge hit that almost gave the Braves the chance to tie the game. Um, but I, I think that yesterday's outing on Workman was more the fact that he was hard worked on, uh, the previous night on Saturday night. Um, and that I kind of questioned Joe Girardi's decision there because you can't go with Hector. He's been struggling. Workman threw 30 pitches on Friday or on Saturday night and then on Sunday night last night threw another 20 to 25 pitches it's a lot of pitches for a reliever especially your closer I thought that Joe Girardi would have went to Blake Parker um, in yesterday's game to try to close out the game because we've not seen Parker pitch since Thursday I believe uh, against the Blue Jays so I, I was questionable a little bit there on Joe Girardi's behalf of why he did go to Workman again he did almost blow it but I wouldn't necessarily blame Workman there. I think it was pretty much uh, too much of a workload for him to handle in back-to-back -back days. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think if Joe Girardi went to someone like you mentioned, Blake Parker, then they would have been better off, not only because Workman would have gotten a little bit more rest, but because it might have given the Phillies a little bit of a better opportunity to take the second game of the series. And... Overall, you know, the the series didn't look too hot for the Phillies. Yes, we did have the 5-4 to four victory, but it was a very close game. I mean, you look at it in the ninth inning, the Braves almost came back to tie at 5-5. Five to five. But, um, you know, a relay by, I believe it was Roman Quinn and Didi Gregorius really helped. And then Knapp to finish it off with the tag uh, was definitely a really, you know, it, it was a relief. You know, everyone was finally able to breathe after that last out because, Dave, we know. That we cannot breathe until that last out is recorded because this bullpen and this team gives up leads like Christmas presents, all right? 
And uh, I believe, uh, what was it? You said uh, Ricky Bowe said something to that effect, like it's Christmas, the Phillies give out leads. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I so thought that, that was, was funny. Game show. I love Ricky Bowe. Shout out to Ricky Bowe on the NBC Sports uh, Philadelphia post game. He, he, makes, he makes the game happy, even if they lose. He gives you a little positive because uh, he's just hilarious. I love Ricky Bowe, but that's for another podcast. <laughs> that's right. We'll do, we'll do a Ricky Bowe appreciation podcast. How about that one? Hey, I'm down for it. I'm I'm down for it as always. I love Ricky Bell. I think <laughs> he right, does well, a great job. Well, uh, I, I guess moving on, Dave. If you want to take on Atlanta's side of things, then uh, definitely go ahead. Well, uh, Dansby Swanson, who continues to be hot, he was three for five yesterday with a run scored and a strikeout. Freddie Freeman, the Philly killer, was two for four with three RBIs and a run scored. I thought that Freddie Freeman was really uh, did a really good thing yesterday. It was on Twitter. It was also on Instagram. I forget who posted it, but I'm sure if you search something up, you could find it. Uh, there was a video of – it might have even been on MLB's, their actual social media. Uh, Freddie Freeman, um, there was a video of him congratulating Alec Bohm uh, after hitting his first home run, which we talked about earlier uh, when Dave was recapping the Phillies. But I thought that it was a nice thing to do uh, by Freddie Freeman, even though he is a Philly killer, <laughs> two for four yesterday. Uh, Austin Riley was also two for four with a strikeout. He's really been heating up for them, and he came into the series uh, really struggling. Josh Tomlin, the starting pitcher, did, did get the loss for Atlanta. He's one and one. He pitched three innings pitched. Six hits, four runs, all four were earned. He did strike out five, however. Two of them were against Bryce Harper. Uh, Tyler Matzik was, uh, did go an inning and two-thirds, uh, coming in relief. He did a very nice job, walked the batter, also struck out three Phillies. Uh, but the Braves, they do come up short. Uh, they tried to score the run, but Swanson was thrown out at the plate by a great relay by Roman Quinn to Didi Gregorius to Andrew Knapp, who did apply the tag. And I guess, you know, after, Dave, you say what you thought about Atlanta, I think that we should talk, you know, was Knapp blocking the plate? Because there are a lot of Braves fans that are salty and think that Knapp was blocking the plate. So I guess before we get into Atlanta, really dive in, you know, what you want to say, if you do have to say anything about the Braves, uh, was Andrew Knapp, I, I would assume you saw the play, was he blocking the plate, in your opinion? Well, to be honest, if if people want to um, throw that argument out there, I think um, when you when you look at the placement of the uh, throw, the throw was in line with the runner, so um, Nap had to go out there to get the ball to be able to apply the tag, and, and so for that reason, I would say that it's not intentional. And um, to be honest, I I think um, he gave him a little bit of room to slide in there. Um, you know, I mean, the Phillies needed to win, and I think that's clear for most Phillies fans. But uh, from my point of view, even if he did block the runner, it was unintentional, and you can't you can't help the fact that the throw was on the runner. And besides it, you know, the the runner, <laughs> Dansby Swanson didn't really get a chance to uh, get to the plate anyway. I mean, wh- whether you say that Andrew Knapp blocked him or not. Uh, the the tag was applied before he got to the plate, and that's what it comes down to. So whether he blocked the plate or not, it, it, in my opinion, is negligible. It doesn't really matter. So uh, that, that's pretty much where I stand with it, Dave. And um, I don't know, hopefully you see things the same. Yeah, I, I said it too. I mean, there was, of course, a lot of Braves fans, as they are salty. Even Brian Snitker after the game, um, I, there was an interview. I'm going to see if I could find it here. Um, who posted it? Cause I do want to give credit, but he said something along the side or along the, um, let me say, uh, along the, along the lines of saying that 
people, the catchers, or that people should, players should be allowed to uh, start hitting catchers again. And, you know, that was a very big debate a couple of years ago when Rob Manfred first became commissioner, which was one of the things I actually thought he did well, was blocking the fact that, you know, catchers they were always getting concussions. You know what I mean? Because there was a big collision at the plate. And uh, the interview, if you do want to go check it out, because he was pretty much saying that players should be allowed to ram into catchers. Um, that was on Fox Sports Braves uh, on Twitter. They have the interview over there. But I really think that uh, that was wrong. That was a wrong comment by Snitker. Um, as you, I mean, anyone who watches the game of baseball could easily tell that the throw was going up the line. Now, there was a lane. There was clearly a lane for Swanson to slide. And however, the ball beat Swanson there regardless. So exactly. he was going to go tag him up the line anyway. Swanson was nowhere close to the plate. Swanson was, uh, he, uh, there was even a clip of him. He wasn't getting a great secondary lead, which cost him, I think, the run. So uh, Swanson wasn't at the plate. The play was not at the plate, and he blocked the plate. The plate was a couple steps up the line, which was where the throw was. Andrew Knapp was not blocking the plate. And another thing, kind of just to throw some shade at Braves fans, they constantly kept on saying that JT Ramuto was behind the plate and the umpires just like JT. JT was not behind the plate. It was Andrew Knapp. And Andrew Knapp deserves some, some credit, Dave. Uh, I don't know if you would agree. He's been doing a great job. And uh, I'm not the biggest fan of Andrew Knapp. But he's been doing a, a phenomenal job uh, as of recently. I have to give him credit because he's been hitting the ball, getting on base, and making good defensive plays, especially right there. He did have some issues the other day with some pass balls, but I think for the most part, Andrew Knapp has succeeded expectations for the first uh, 20 or so games of the season. But, yeah, I, I for sure don't think that he was blocking the plate. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm glad that we could see things the same way. But, uh, yeah, Andrew Knapp. Uh, definitely doing great. And, you know, for him being a secondary uh, position catcher, I, I think he's, you know, great at what he does right now. And, you know, obviously uh, back last year, he really struggled with the bad and um, defense wasn't exactly where you wanted it to be. But, you know, I mean, they throw Andrew Knapp out there with Eflin and that's just something that usually works. And, you know, I, I mean, if Knapp continues to play the, the way that he's playing, then I see no reason for him to not go out there. And so, yeah, it is in limited plate appearances because he does typically catch when Eflin's out there. But uh, nevertheless, yeah, Nap's been great. And uh, you can't really knock the guy for his performance. But um, moving on, uh, yeah, you were talking about Tyler Matzik. And he just looked really good yesterday. Uh, his numbers aren't all that great on the season, but was able to dominate the Phillies. So maybe that's the uh, brave secret weapon against the Phillies. But uh, moving on, uh, the next game that's coming up for the Phillies is at Washington on Tuesday at 6.05 p.m. Eastern Time. And you can watch this on NBC Sports Philadelphia and listen on 94WIP or WTTM 1680 and Espanol. Um, but Jake Arrieta is going up against uh, someone to be Decided, I guess, because Washington uh, didn't seem to put up anything yet, uh, according to MLB.com. By the way, all stats and um, things that we talked about are usually uh, based on MLB.com. Uh, so uh, definitely a big shout out to them for the uh, stats box scores, etc. Um, but uh, talking about Jake Arrieta in his um, start versus Washington on Tuesday, uh, his prior start, he struggled with command against the Red Sox, but um, 
he has good numbers versus majority of the Nationals lineup, so uh, that's a positive. But it leaves you kind of wishy-washy, you know. Um, Arietta isn't the same pitcher that he used to be, especially with the Cubs. I mean, Arietta is definitely pitched against uh, the Nationals a lot when he was with the Cubs in the playoffs. So um, Arietta does know the team, but of course the team has changed since then. A lot of young guys come up, so uh, it's going to be different for Arietta. And um, yeah, like I said, he's not the same guy. So I do see him getting hit around a little bit, and uh, if he doesn't get his command back, it just does not look like. Um, a good game for the Phillies, but hopefully uh, they can win the game. And uh, yeah, the the Washington Nationals are picking it up a little bit. Uh, I know that they won versus the Marlins uh, yesterday. I believe it was nine to three. So the offense really did pick up, and uh, Anibal Sanchez had a really solid start, only allowing one run. So um, yeah, Washington is picking up the pace a little bit, and that's something that they did last year, Dave. You know, at, at the beginning of the year, they they really tanked, but then just came up from nowhere and really proved everyone wrong that they are still a contender and they won the World Series. So we'll see what happens with Washington, but they're just, uh, they're a wild card team as well. You know, not for the fact that, you know, they'll be a wild card team, but, um, you know, in in terms of you never know what they're going to do. And uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting, but um, yeah, nevertheless, we are going to be versing the Washington Nationals, go Phils, and hopefully we can at the least take two out of three since we lost uh, two out of three versus those stinky Braves. Yeah, no, no, I would agree. I think that uh, Washington, they've been doing better as of recently. Uh, I still don't think their lineup is great, especially with the loss of Rendon. I mean, you still have Soto um, and Trey Turner, but I do think that the Phillies have to cool down Trey Turner because he's been uh, on a scorching hot pace recently. Uh, But yeah, I mean, since we're going to give a little bit of predictions, I guess I'll give mine. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to say the Phillies take two out of three uh, from uh, Washington. I think that uh, Arietta might have a big game uh, on Tuesday. As you said, his numbers are looking pretty good um, against the Nationals' career. Uh, I think the game we may lose is on Thursday. You do have Spencer Howard on the mound, and trust me, I love Spencer Howard, but I just don't know um, how the Nationals are going to face. They usually do pretty well against guys who throw a hard fastball. Uh, Spencer Howard is one of them, so I wouldn't be shocked to see if the Nationals uh, hit him up a little bit. Uh, but hey, Spencer Howard uh, did have a good start against the Blue Jays the other day, so we'll see. That will probably be a bullpen game, too, somewhat. Spencer Howard has not been able to go too deep uh, in his starts. Of course, they want to kind of limit his pitch count, which is understandable. Uh, he's one of the top prospects in the Philly system. But yeah, hopefully the Phillies can take two out of three from the Nationals. Again, that series will begin on Tuesday um, at 6.05. Phillies have an off day today on Monday, the day we're recording the podcast. We're going to try to get back to Monday, Wednesday, and Friday uploads and then mini podcasts if we want to recap any games. Um, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, I think that's pretty much it. Um, all the stats we looked at in this video were either or talked about in this podcast um, were either what we watched uh, through ESPN's broadcast last night. Uh, and all the stats are also from MLB.com's box scores. Um, again, the interview that I talked about with Brian Snicker, you can find that on Fox Sports Braves' um, Twitter handle if you want to listen to that interview by Snicker, the manager of the Braves. Uh, but, Dave, are we ready to wrap this up? Of course. All right. Well, uh, thank you to everyone who listened to the podcast today. Um, please go check out our podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Anchor, uh, and go share this podcast with all of your friends and family. Uh, our last podcast uh, has shattered our top views in terms of podcasts, so we really do appreciate uh, that out of you guys. 
Um, we've been doing really good in terms of views, and we really appreciate it so much. Uh, we put a lot of heart and passion into these podcasts. Uh, we thank you so much for being able to listen and, and really help us uh, follow the stream of ours trying to do a Phillies podcast. Uh, but go check out Dave's Instagram and YouTube at Major League Talk for great baseball content, not just on the Phillies, but baseball overall. Uh, thank you to the healthcare and the frontline workers for keeping us safe. Uh, stay safe, everyone. Go Flyers. They play tonight, Monday. If you don't have nothing to do, go check out the Flyers at 7 o'clock. They are in the second round of the playoffs taking on the Islanders. If you're not into hockey, I get it. Uh, but it is a Philadelphia sports team that's playing, so I'll, of course, root for them. Uh, I'll be screaming at my TV, I'm sure, tonight. Uh, but go Phillies, and hopefully we can take two out of three at least uh, from the Nationals on this upcoming series. That will begin tomorrow, Tuesday at 6.05, and will end on Thursday. So thank you all. Stay safe, and uh, that's pretty much all I got, Dave. Right. Um, yeah, I forgot what I was going to say. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, uh, thank you to all of those who support the Morning Track Talk podcast. And thank you to everyone, um, including the frontline workers, for everything that they do for the community and for the, um, well, entire population of people. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, that was it. So I, I wanted to just touch on the, uh, the numbers real quick with the podcast. We seem to be growing tremendously. And um, it, it is a great um, big thanks to the people who really do listen to the podcast and enjoy our content. We really do appreciate uh, you guys for your support. Um, but yeah, episode 51 is absolutely shattering our records right now. And <clears throat> we really couldn't be any more thankful. You know, uh, episode 52 is also doing really well. And our, just our recent podcast in general are really doing well right now. And we seem to be growing uh, because you guys seem to be really sharing the podcast and really supporting us. And so, really, we could not thank you enough for everything that you do for the podcast. And that's the reason that we're doing this, because we feel like you guys like the content and we want to keep you guys happy, uh, even though the Phillies don't exactly uh, make us happy all the time and usually break our hearts. But anyway, uh, thank you all for listening to the Warning Track Talk podcast with your host, Dave and Dave. <laughs>